You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. This question we asked last week, are we wholeheartedly His? When the world sees us, do they see a people who wholeheartedly belong to Him? That word is profound to me. To be, I don't know that I've ever been wholeheartedly anything. Right? Wholeheartedly devoted to anything. That is not something that we practice. We're always kind of like one foot in. The only thing I can say is the only thing the Lord has taught me is marriage. Because you can't, you can't be partially heartedly. That's not a word or set of words, but you know what I'm saying. You can't be partly in on marriage. But... How am I going to be wholeheartedly a part of my marriage and a participant in my marriage if I am not wholeheartedly the Lord's? You can't. It's impossible. Marriage is a a design of God, is it not? It's a reflection of Christ towards the church. And I can't be wholeheartedly anything if I am not first wholeheartedly His. Your life becomes richer and better when we are completely His and we completely belong to Him. Does the world see that we completely belong to him and do they see his purpose in us? Have I submitted my life? Remember this question. Have I submitted my life to his will, to this season that I find myself in, that we as a church, as a community find ourselves in? Am I wholeheartedly devoted to that or am I trying to establish that season of God in my own life the way it is right now, make it fit the way I want it to fit for me? Or am I allowing the season of God to mold me into who he needs me to become right now? Does that make sense? Are you tracking with me? We in the church, we come into a season of God and we're like, yes, this is a great season. I can't wait for what the Lord's doing. He's saying he's going to do these things. But if he could just pencil it in in my normal nine to five hours, in my normal structure of how I do church and how I do my relationship with the Lord, that would be great. And that is not how the Lord works. We belong to him. He doesn't belong to us. He bought us. I didn't buy him. Come on. So when he brings us into a season, and how many of you know it is better to walk with the Lord than to walk against him? Come on. It is way better to be in the purpose that God has for you because this is the silly example, and I talk to my kids about this all the time, but that is not the purpose of certain things to walk against God. My son, Kai, he's all about... Well, he's just chaos incarnate, just in a person. Um, and he has this big yellow caveman bat, because that means he never misses. He hits everything. His intended target is always struck. And he's practicing hitting. He gets this great idea that I'm going to get my dad to pitch me a kickball, and I'm going to hit that ball with that big bat. And how many of you know what happened next? Because that ball is screaming. And that bat is not as strong as that ball, and that hurts. Boom! Bat out of his hands, Kai on the ground. Kai's on the ground all the time, so don't let it, it wasn't that bad. He just falls down because he falls down. But that was not, those two were not intended to go together. That was not their intended purpose. If I get an RC car, remote control car, and I throw it in the pool, and I get upset that it didn't work, that's not what it was made for. And I'm telling you, you were not made to be anywhere else but in the presence and will of God. Period. 
That is where you are meant to be. Your life finds fullness, finds purpose in that place, in that place alone. You will search all the days of your life outside of it and you will never find purpose because he is the only one that can give it to you because you originated in his heart for him. All things were made through him and for him. Amen? Amen. Have we submitted our lives to seeing the kingdom released in this season? Does the world see our hearts cry? Does it see us cry out for the Lord to come and do what he desires to do in this time? Do they see a people of one thirst and one hunger? This is maybe one of the most profound things that the world needs to see right now is a people that are one. And there is not a thing on this earth that will make us one. Only that which originates in heaven can there be a one thirst and one hunger, a united body of people. Only from heaven does it come. It doesn't come from any man-made thing here on earth. So we got to stop looking for unity in man-made designs, amen? amen? And allow the Lord to establish one thirst and one hunger in us. In this house, those here, do you desire to be a people of one thirst and one hunger? Amen. Yes? yes? I'll shout. This thing gets louder. And Steve can turn it up. I'm like on that much. It goes that much. I'll be loud. I'll make everybody listening online miserable. But they can hit the mute button. You can't. So you better just participate. I'll get up in your face. There ain't no mute button for me. In this house, do you desire to be a people of one thirst and one hunger? Yes. Yes. Do you tru- I mean, do you truly desire it? Think about it for a second. Do you truly desire to be a united people, not just in this house, but in this city, mm-hmm. to be one yes. people? Who cares where we come from? Who cares political affiliation? Who gives a flying fart? Pardon my language. Who cares about those things? Do we desire to be united under the banner of Christ as brothers and sisters establishing the kingdom of heaven here on earth, period? Do we desire those things? Do we pray for those things? Do we speak those things into existence? I am a big, big, big believer that if you want to see it, speak it. If you want to see it happen, speak it. The Lord has given us power and authority by the, by the blood of the Lamb, by the Son of God who laid himself down for us, that I could be one with God again. And then he gave us his spirit, the helper to fill us, the indwelling presence of God, that we could operate under the power and authority of heaven as sons and daughters. So when we speak, the world listens. When we speak, mountains move. Amen? So do we speak these things into existence? Do we speak over sundown that we would be one thirst and one hunger? It's one of my favorite things driving in on Sunday mornings because I just, I'm by myself most of the time and I just get to speak that we would be a people of one thirst and one hunger. I get to speak out loud for heaven to come now in this city for those in sundown to walk in the fullness of who they were made to be to see all in sundown Know and walk with the Spirit of God for all to be welcomed in this city and for all to know the name of Jesus in this city. Amen? Amen. Do we speak these things? And do we speak out, do we stand on this firm foundation that we, this small group of people, will be those that usher it in? We will be those that usher in, hallelujah, heaven and earth colliding. Do we speak that into existence or do you doubt that it's possible because we are few? One. 
release the power of heaven upon the earth. And then one in Acts 2 spoke of truth after receiving the Holy Spirit and thousands came to know Jesus. Peter gave the first sermon from a pulpit. The first sermon as a Christian, anointed and filled by the Spirit of God, he spoke and truth flowed in thousands of people. Thousands of people were saved by the name of Jesus and the church was formed because of one. And we're more than one. Amen? And we're not ushering into the entire world. We're ushering it into a city of 1,200 people. Watch out. I would say the odds are in our favor for seeing the kingdom released in this city and seeing the Lord do exactly what he intends to do in this season. Amen? Amen. So let's believe it. Let's stand on it. Let's not move from it. Let us partner together to see it come. Let's build a house future generations will live in, and let's plant trees that future generations will sit in the shade of. Let's not be those that want the fire for ourselves now, but let's be those that are good with the oil coming now that a fire could come later and be sustained for years and years and years to come. Amen? Let's be those people. To see these things come to be, though, we must recognize that we are in a season of prayer and worship. A season where the believer is being awakened to the reality that we are intercessors. Turn with me now to 2 Corinthians 5, and we'll read this today. We've read this passage a bunch over the last few years, and we're just going to keep with it. What is an intercessor? An intercessor is one who stands in the gap. What is intercession? Just for review, what we've talked about it is an invitation into the Father's heart to discover what it is that He desires right here, right now, and then partner with heaven and seeing it released. It's allowing the Lord to reveal to us what He's doing and then saying yes to it and praying it into existence. That's what intercession is. That's what it is to be an intercessor. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14. For the love of Christ controls us. Does the love of Christ control us? Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And have died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. We regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. And we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We have been given the ministry of reconciliation. It has been given to us. Each one of us has been given the ministry of reconciliation. It doesn't say a few have been given it. It, has, it says we have all been given the ministry of reconciliation, this ministry that Jesus started. What is this ministry? But standing in the gap, reconciling the world back to God. 
It is the practice of being a bridge builder. It is standing in the middle of the road and building a bridge from this side to the next. To be an intercessor is to build a bridge. To build a bridge from the need to the provision, from the problem to the answer, from the world to the Father, for the lost to a home, for the broken to restoration, for sick to healing. That is our job, is to stand in the gap and be the one that connects them to this, the problem to the provision. Amen? Is that not what we have done in years past? Is that not what we are meant to do right now? Did the Lord release to us the vision of the Diaz's and revival coming into that hospital for us to just say, that was cool, get our foam fingers out and just cheer on support from the sidelines? Absolutely not. He said, this is the desire of my heart that I reveal to you now that you could stand in the gap and speak it into existence. Partner with me in seeing it released on earth. Amen. Because this is the desire of heaven. And we either get to be a part of it or we don't. Period. And we have the opportunity to stand in the gap to build a bridge from what the Lord has revealed to the reality, reality of it coming to be. We get to be those people. We get to be the ones that usher in the power of God on this earth. We have been given this, this power and authority, ministers of reconciliation, to bring the world back to their father. And in this season, he has shown us exactly how he desires for us to do this. But, have we submitted our life to this will, to this season, to seeing the kingdom released? Or are we standing there with our foam fingers cheering everybody else on? We are meant to be participants. We are co-laborers with Christ. We are invited to co-labor with Christ. Do you not see that it is an honor to be on your hands and feet, on your hands and knees in the dirt with Jesus? Not only did he die, and make a way for us, but now he partners alongside us and works with us. Come on. Is there anything better? And we get to do this. We have the honor of co-laboring with Jesus. But have I submitted my life to this season, to seeing the kingdom released? I love the start of that passage. The love of Christ controls us. Does the love of Christ control us? It doesn't always have to make sense. It looks real goofy sometimes. Believe me. I have stories of how silly I've looked to people driving by, doing things. That I'm just like, if they were to pull over and ask me what I was doing, it's like, how am I going to explain this? Other than obedience to the Lord. And I know some of you understand that when you go up to a person because the Lord's giving you a word and you just say, the Lord's told me to do this. And they're just like, What? I hears voices. But he's doing a nice thing for me, so I'm not going to resist it. But have we submitted our life to this season, a season of prayer and worship, of being intercessors, standing in the gap for this community? Because again, I ask this question all the time, if not us, then who? I am not willing. I, I have no desire for the Lord to have to begin looking elsewhere to do what he desires to do here through us. I have no desire for the Lord to have to pass from me to find someone who's willing to do it. Oh man, it, that twists my stomach into knots to be someone that would say no to Jesus that he would have to find somebody else. 
We're not meant to be those people, church. What happens, again, we talked about this in the beginning, is is we try to get what the Lord has for us. We try to get it to fit my current life and my current comfort. But the will of God does not bend to my own will. I am found within the will of God. The will of God is not found within me. I do not create it, and it does not submit to me. Hear that again. The will of God does not submit to you in the things you wish it would look like. We've got to remember that. I said this last week, but this season will cost us something if we live holding on to everything as our own, as mine. If we live holding our possessions, if we live holding our time as my own and mine to dictate we have, we have things that we're committed to, and the Lord honors those things. The Lord's not going to tell you to wake up and skip work. Just don't show up. Forget those guys. I have other things for you to do. The Lord is a gentleman, and the Lord will honor the things that we're committed to. But understand, if the Lord tells you to go, will you go? Or are we living closed-fisted? This is mine. It's all mine. Because then this season will cost you something. But if you live Living like this, everything you have is the Lord's to use however he wishes, however he desires. Does it actually ever cost you anything? No. Because it wasn't yours to begin with and you understood that and you received that and you accepted that. So if the Lord has to take it and give to someone else, you're good with it. Because it wasn't mine. It wasn't mine. This season won't cost you anything if you live giving everything back to Jesus. Colossians 1.16, again, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities or all things, or, or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. All I have is his. It is not mine. And the second I claim it as my own, I will lose it. Lose the blessing of it. Lose the purpose of it. I love Ephesians 4.20, but that is not the way that you have learned Christ. Is that the Christ that we have learned in this house? Selfish, withholding everything good from us. Is that the Jesus we know? No, my Jesus has given everything, including his last breath on this earth, that I could have life, that I could be united. Not just, not just that I could know God the Father, but that I could be united completely with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I could be connected to heaven. And not just then, he keeps going, that I would be a co-heir with Christ. Not a servant to the kingdom, but I would be a son. I would be a co-heir to the throne of the kingdom of God. He does all of this for us. He has given us more than we could ever, ever gather up in our time here on this earth. He has given us all things. He has given us wonderful things. But he's not given these things to us that we would withhold them from others. He can do more for us. How many of you know this? He can do more for us and others with the blessings in our life, so why do we try and take it from him? He can do more with what I have than I could ever do. He can multiply it. I've been... I've been to the church in Africa that was built by this house where the Lord did more than we could have ever done by our own power. I've seen, I've stood on the steps, I've seen the plaque. 
First Baptist Church of Sundown, Texas, built this in obedience. And we know not a one of us went over there, not a one of us laid brick and mortar on the ground. We just said yes to what the Lord had, and the Lord multiplied and multiplied and multiplied. And now there is a refuge for people in that city, in that part of Africa, to run, to run to and find Jesus and to find safe heaven, haven because this church simply said yes and allowed the Lord to do more with what he's blessed us with than we could do in our own power. And now he wants to do it, but he doesn't want to do it in Africa. He wants to do it right here. And will we now hold tight to what he's blessed us with? What? We would give it when it's in a place we'll never see. How many of you will ever go to that village in that compound and see that church? Raise your hand. Exactly. That's okay. I mean, you, yeah, we went there, but like in the future. <laughs> maybe, yeah. I, the answer is maybe for all of us, but. No, the Lord's not said you need to go to that place. This is a far off place. We give to Mexico all the time. How many of you have been with Jose on these trips? Very few. And that's okay. This is not a guilt trip about you need to go to these places. That's not what I'm saying at all. But now the Lord has said, I want you to invest in this place, in this city. I will use my blessings that I have rained down on you to bless others in this city, but it won't be across the sea. It will be your neighbor. It will be the people that you work with. It will be the people that you stand in line behind at the grocery store. It will be the people across from you at the gas station. It will be the people that you drive past on the way to your next thing. I will use what I have blessed you with to bless them. I will establish the kingdom of heaven in this place so it doesn't really cost us anything if we live like this because he can do more with what he has given me than I could ever do on my own because he sees everything. Right? We talked about this several, years, or several weeks ago too. Don't forget this, that anyone would trade you for the field of diamonds that you have right now. Oftentimes, the reason we start to hold tightly to things is because we become discontent with what I don't have. So I hold tightly to what I do. Right? Get rid of that. Live open. Because the Lord has blessed you with a field of diamonds. There are diamonds beneath your feet. He has blessed you beyond what you can comprehend, beyond what you could ever imagine, beyond what you could measure. If you have breath in your lungs, He has blessed you richly. If you know the Spirit of God, He has blessed you richly. He has given you the presence of Himself. What more does He need to give us? But yet He continues to lavish us with blessing. He continues to pour out on us so freely the things of the kingdom and bless our lives so richly. But will we now hold tightly to these things that He's given to us? We can't do that. We can't bless generations yet to be, but He can. He can establish something in this house that I can't, that a hundred years from now people will be blessed by. Come on. Does this building exist in 50 years or does it not? The answer to that is determined right now by allowing the Lord to do exactly what he needs to do or not. That's it. Why do we try and make his season fit for me? 
instead allowing his season to mold me into who I need to be right now. He can do abundantly more with my time than I can. I think about, I, I've had several conversations with people at the school about this. That I just, you know, I'm, I've, the Lord is really teaching me to just stand your ground with what you believe I will do and don't waver from those places. Speak the positive things that you know I will establish if you simply speak them. And so there's a, there's a lot of talk about the finances in that school and all the things going on in the state of Texas with public education and just how difficult it is for small schools like us to stay running. And the reality is, and I know all of you have heard this, that that school could possibly not be there in a couple years. My kids won't even be close to graduating by the time that school would close if we do not begin to do new things. But I've got a six-month or seven-month-old little girl now, which is crazy. Let's not stay there very long. I'll weep. Um, she's not even started school. But I refuse to believe that she will graduate from anywhere else. And it's really cool. I get to bring, we have prayer meetings on Monday morning with the administrators and just other staff at the school. And my boys have started coming with me because it's just, it's what needs to happen. And I just began, the Lord just blessed me with that because my boys get to grow up praying for their school. The Lord totally did that. Out of convenience, I brought them and the Lord has blessed us richly with that. But I've told them, I just refuse to believe anything but my kids will graduate from here and this city will be transformed, this school will thrive, and it will see abundance of blessing. And I refuse to believe anything else. But do we believe that about this city? Do we believe that about this church? Because I desire that my kids would have kids and they could come back to this place and encounter the same spirit of God that dwells with us now. That they could encounter freedom in this place. They could encounter the glory of the Lord. They could encounter heaven here and now. That they may leave from sundown, but when they come back, they wouldn't just be coming back to a city in the state of Texas. They would be coming back into the fullness of the kingdom of heaven established here on this earth. And I refuse to believe anything else. But the thing is, the fate of this house and of this city is tied to our surrender or our defiance. To not to surrender is to defy. We need to understand that too. If I'm not on his team, I am against him. There's no in-between. There's no partnering with Jesus from the sidelines. You are either a participant or you are actively going against what we're trying to do, what the kingdom is trying to establish. I remember when the Lord taught me that, that there was no tippy-toeing, there was no fence riding. I couldn't have feet on both sides of the fence. I was picking one or the other. And if I thought I had some of myself in the presence of God, what I had was the fullness of myself in the kingdom of darkness against what the Lord was trying to do. You, you get one. There is no gray. There is no in-between the black and white. It is one or the other. And so the fate of this church, the fate of this city, and what it could become is tied to our surrender or our defiance. And to refuse to yield is going against heaven. We are not made to refuse heaven. We are made for it. We are made to be the vessels that carry it. Amen? Amen. And in this season, I would ask you, what is the Lord asking for you to do? What is he asking for you to give? What is he asking for? 
in this season. For you personally. We were talking about this in Sunday school, but personally, do you know what it is that the Lord desires for you in this season? Not just what the pastor says the Lord desires to do. Do you know what he desires for you specifically in this season? Has he spoken it to you? Have we listened? What is the Lord asking for? Will you give it? Will we give it as a church? Will we choose to surrender to what the Lord is doing in this season? Will we choose to become intercessors as he is desperately trying to get us to understand? There is a reason. I sit and I pray and I ask the Lord for these words. I don't look up Google good sermon for Sunday mornings. That's not how this works. You know that. The Lord leads me through these lessons. He speaks to me on these things and he brings these words to me. It is not created within myself. So why are we not able to move from this word of intercession? It's not one of my favorite words. It's not like one of these words that I just really enjoy spending time on. The Lord will not let us leave. He won't let us leave for a reason. He is trying to get us to understand how we partner with heaven in this season. It's by standing in the gap and praying and interceding on behalf of our community and behalf of the people in it that they would see Jesus, that they would see heaven come, and that the Spirit of God would fill this city, period. Will we be those that partner with heaven? in this season, how he has asked us to. But what does it look like for you? What is being an intercessor? What is being one that intercedes over this city? What does that look like for you? For me, it looks like driving around in my truck and praying over our city. It's just what it looks like. Driving into town, singing over our city. That's just what it looks like. Doing the things that are not necessarily fun to do, that you won't get any recognition for. You're just doing it in the background because it needs to be done. That's how I intercede for my city. How do you intercede for this city to see the kingdom of heaven released? Could you imagine? Can you dream with me of a day where the city of sundown and all who dwell in it walk with the Spirit of God? Could you imagine anywhere better I have a hard time with, I, have a, I know a lot of people, and they just think it's the most ridiculous thing that I live in West Texas. I don't know why people hate on West Texas so heavily. Um, it's not humid. You can see where you're going. It's pretty cool. It doesn't rain as much as we'd like it to, but other than that, it's a pretty sweet place to live. I love it here. But what I have to remember is that these people are not attached to the work of God being released here as we are. And they'll never understand the love that we have for this place because they don't see what the Lord is doing in this city. But I'm telling you, I have driven a lot of times and I've entered a lot of cities. I have never seen the kingdom of heaven colliding with earth in any other place than I have in Sundown, Texas. I've seen it here. I've not seen it anywhere else. I saw it this morning. That's what the Lord desires to do in our city. Will we be a part of it? Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.